the teams you care about. Mac Jones is good. That's not the question. The question is, is he good enough to win repeatedly in this loaded AFC? The stories that matter to you. If I'm Xander Bogarts, I need three things in order to get over that insulting contract offer. This is your home for New England sports. Jason Tatum, superstar. Book it. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday on the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Short show today, just 40 minutes. We're up until 610. Then it's Red Sox baseball. Sox taking on the Guardians for the our first look at the Guardians as the Guardians, and it's a team that's playing really good baseball right now. They're the youngest team in baseball. They're tied for the lead right now in the American League Central, so this should be a good series, an important series at Progressive Field. Even, even though we have a short time together today, plenty to get to. Some interesting comments from Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA. The idea of the Celtics acquiring Kevin Durant. Yes, we will talk about that as well. You can get in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. It's 802 585 3026. That's your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. You can also get in on the brand new Facebook live stream, YouTube live, and my Twitter account as well. Let's waste no time. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber. Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. I don't want the Red Sox to go after Aaron Judge. I don't. Some of you probably do, but I don't. And look, make no mistake about it. Aaron Judge is phenomenal, and he's having a phenomenal season. He's hitting 304. He's got 27 home runs. He leads the American League. He leads baseball in home runs right now with 27. He's an American League MVP front runner. He is great. But that said, next offseason, when he's a free agent, I don't want the Red Sox to go after him. And let's talk about where this topic comes from. Our friend Buster Olney, just the other day, he wrote for ESPN that the Red Sox could be a landing spot for Judge when he hits free agency this offseason. So he wrote that this week. And in fact, that's not really new from Buster. I went to the archives. Buster told us that on May 19th. On May 19th, on this show, Buster said that Aaron Judge could possibly be in play for the Red Sox. And I want to make this absolutely clear what I'm going to say to you now is total speculation at this point because we're a long way away from hitting free agency. If the Red Sox season goes horrifically and Xander Bogart leaves as a free agent and the fan base is up in arms and your ownership and you want to reset, and we've seen that repeatedly in John Henry's time as owner, where you know you go from Ben Sherrington to Dave Dombrowski, from Dombrowski, uh, you know to to Hein Bloom. If you want to reset the conversation around your team, could there be a better player to do that with than Aaron Judge? So the idea of Aaron Judge going to the Red Sox, it's not a new idea from Buster. He told us that a month ago, but it's getting some national play this week. But that said, I don't think. The Red Sox should be players for Judge. And for me, it's pretty simple as to the reasons why. 
the situation with Judge is such that I want the Red Sox to prioritize their own guys over him. It's partially that simple. Aaron Judge at the beginning of the season turned down an offer from the Yankees for eight years and like $260 million. He did not think that eight for 260 was enough. So what exactly does he think is enough? What is better than eight for 260? Does he want 10 for 350? Does he want 10 for 400? I don't know exactly what Aaron Judge is looking for in free agency, but if I am the Red Sox and I am willing to spend $350 million or $400 million, I am spending that money on Rafael Devers. I am spending part of that money to bring back Xander Bogarts. If John Henry and company are going to open up the wallets, and I believe that they should open up the wallets, if they're going to open up the wallets, then Bogarts and Devers is where the money needs to be going. That's where the money needs to go. The Pittsburgh Pirates, if they want to spend 380 on Aaron Judge, go ahead. They got nobody important to retain at big money. If the Mariners want to go after Aaron Judge, go ahead. They got nobody to retain at big money. If the Marlins or whoever else low-budget team want to pay Aaron Judge $400 million, then so be it. I'm not doing it with the Red Sox. I've got my own guys that need to get paid, and my own guys are more valuable and are more important to me. I'm just not doing it. And if you're telling me I got, I can, you know, I'm pocketing money, then I'm holding it off for Juan Soto a year from now. I got other places I can spend that money. I got other priorities than Aaron Judge. I'm not spending it on Judge. What do you think? 802-585-3026, Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury, text line. Uh, Lou Merloni of WEEI in Boston. I liked what he had to say about this Judge storyline yesterday. I like Judge. I don't want. I, no, you know what? I don't want him. Why? Uh, judgy and blast. I don't want him. He's not good. He couldn't play here. He couldn't hit. He's bombs thirty here. years old. I don't want to give him a ten-year deal. I know we can DH. Last okay. year, uh, this year is the first year he's been healthy since his rookie year in two thousand and seventeen. That's a good argument. He doesn't play all that much. He's been hurt. He's healthy this year. God bless him. Lou Merloni is largely right. The situation with Judge, it just isn't conducive. Again. If I were to spend on Judge, I'm losing Devers and Bogarts. I don't want that. That's the number one reason I'm out on Judge. Two, Judge isn't historically healthy enough to lose point. He's played 150 games in his career one time. He's played 145 games in his career twice. We're talking about he's played five full seasons. Two of them, 145 games or more, he's missed large portions of three of his five seasons. He's healthy now. But historically, he hasn't been. And as Lou says, he's 30 years old. He's already 30 years old. This isn't like he just turned 29 and he'll be 30 at part of next year. He's already 30. He's going to be 31 for the entirety of next season. That is not a good age to be handing out $350, $400 million contracts. I've got Bogart's endeavors to resign. I can't give 31-year-olds $400 million. Again, if the Marlins want to do it, then so be it. If the Reds want to do it, then so be it. If the Angels want to do it again, I don't care. 
but it's not going to be from me. I believe Aaron Judge, if healthy, could be great for three to four more years. And then you're just hoping for the last five or six that he's not broken down. That's not something that I want to risk. Albert Pujols, veteran, large contract, regretful. Robinson Cano, veteran, large contract, regretful. Anthony Rendon, he's he's in his third year of a seven-year deal, and it's a disaster. Rendon got like seven for 245 and missed nearly all of last year and is going to miss nearly all of this year. It is a albatross of a contract. I can't take that risk. And if I was going to take that risk, I'm taking it with my own guys. I will pay Rafael Devers $350 million. $380. Rafael Devers is 25 years old. I'll pay him a 10-year $375 million deal. I'll take that risk to have Devers until 35. I'm not taking a 10-year risk with Judge from 31 to 41. Absolutely not. As fun as it would be, and by the way, I think Bogarts is still signable also. The more I hear, you might be able to get him for that five for 150. So if I'm saving up for people, I'm saving up for Devers and for Bogarts. And if I got to pick one, I'm taking Devers, and I'd take Devers over Judge too. Like, as fun as it would be to see Yankee fans squirm and cry about it, it's just too much of a risk. I got to keep my own house in order if I'm the Red Sox. They'll have money to spend. They should use that money to spend, but they should use it on someone other than Aaron Judge. Text says uh, Aaron Judge might hit 80 home runs if he played his home games in Cincinnati. He already plays his home games in a shoebox. So I don't know. Would he hit that many more in Cincinnati than Yankee Stadium? I don't know. Like, yeah, the Reds' ballpark is small. The Yankee Stadium, like right field and left field, there's nothing to it. The gap is big in Yankee Stadium, but come on. That's like playing in a shoebox. Um, all right, let's see. All right, that text is about something else. I'll, I'll answer that if I have time. Speaking of the Red Sox and speaking of moves, you know what move I wish the Red Sox could make? I want to see the Red. I wish the Red Sox could trade for Frankie Montas of the A's. I don't believe the Red Sox can make that move, but damn, that is the move that I wish this team could make. He's languishing in Oakland right now where he has a year and a half left on his deal, so he's not just a rental player. The A's are going to trade him. I don't know if it's going to be at this trade deadline or next offseason, but they'll trade him just like they traded Sean Manaya and Chris Bassett before this season. I just don't think the Red Sox will be able to get him. And that stinks because I watched Montas pitch yesterday in part against my Mariners. Seven and two thirds, no hit innings. He hit 99 miles an hour on like his hundredth pitch of the day. Devastating splitter. He's a top 10 pitcher in most analytic metrics. He's a 29 years old. You'd have him for this year and next year. He is a stud. And I think he would put the Red Sox in a real position to make huge noise in the playoffs and to get to the playoffs. I wish the Sox could get him. I don't think that the Sox have what it takes to get him. This is why, for all you High and Bloom haters, it is imperative that High and Bloom repair the farm system as he is doing so he can, in the future, make moves like the one that I want to see made. 
part of the reason you develop a farm system is so that you have internal answers to your own problems. That's that's part of it. You want to be able to bring guys up from within and not have to spend, right? Don't trade players for it. Don't don't have to spend huge money in free agency. If you can develop your own prospects, you can create the answers to your own questions. That's big. But also the reason why you stock a farm system, even overstock it, is so you can make deals without devastating your future. Right now, the Red Sox have a handful of good prospects, okay? Marcelo Meyer, Nick York, um, Brian Bayo, Josh Winkowski. They've got a couple really good prospects. It would take probably two of those and either Duran or Dahlbeck to even get in the conversation for Frankie Montas. And that's too much for the Red Sox right now to do. They can't part with those guys because if they do, they will crush what they've been building for the last three years. High and Bloom will be able to pull deals at some point, but he's got to get it so his farm system won't be decimated when he does. For now, this year, I think the Red Sox are resigned to Chris Sale coming back and hoping that he's good and making bullpen deals. I think that's what the Red Sox are at this year. But one day, I'd like to see them be able to go out and get the Frankie Montases of the world because that guy is nasty. That guy is a stud. And he's a difference maker. Justin Verlander was a difference maker for the Astros a couple of years ago. He didn't crush their farm system. They're still excellent. That is why you have a farm. The Dodgers traded a bunch for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Right now, they lost Scherzer. They still have Turner. But, like, they're still great. They're still one of the best teams in baseball. You go and make moves. It doesn't crush your farm system. and It helps you in the now. That's where I want the Red Sox to be. In the future, Sox are taking on the uh, Guardians today. Just file this one away in just kind of the interesting corner of your uh, brain here. Xander Bogarts is not in the lineup today. And that wouldn't mean a lot except for the fact the Red Sox were coming off an off day. The Red Sox had an off day yesterday. The batteries should be recharged. And here's Xander Bogarts, a guy who doesn't like to take time off, a guy who plays every day. Here he is getting another off day. That is, I won't say worrisome, but concerning. I'm at least noticing it. Someone said to me on Twitter, oh, what's well, hey, when, when, when does he ever get two days off in a row? This is not the day to take off. He, look, Xander Bogarts played on Wednesday against the Tigers, who are one of the worst teams in the baseball and one of the worst teams in the league, when the Red Sox had already won the series. Right, He wanted to play in a meaningless game against a team that they'd already won the series against. And today, after an off day, he's not able to play against a team that's directly battling with you in the wild card chase. This game was far more important than Wednesday. So if he was willing to play Wednesday, you got to believe he wanted to play today. Why is he not? I got to believe there's at least something going on. I don't know what it is. I certainly won't speculate. And I'm not going to say I'm worried. But I have noticed it. And it is concerning at the very least. Xander Bogart's not in the lineup today. He played on Wednesday against a last-place team and close to the worst team in the American League. He's not in there today against a team you're directly battling with for the playoffs. We'll see if any information is out on that over the commercial break as we get closer and closer to our pregame show. But uh, disappointing 
is a big game. It's a big weekend. And the Red Sox right now are not at full strength. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Could the Celtics acquire Kevin Durant this offseason? And should they? I'll tell you why I'm against that deal also. Aaron Judge, no. Kevin Durant, no. Why? That's next. Your chance to be part of the show is on the text line at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Parker Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Could and should the Celtics make a run at Kevin Durant this offseason? Let's examine for a second where we're at here. Surprise, surprise, Kyrie Irving is causing problems in Brooklyn. And it's becoming possible, if not even increasingly likely, that Kyrie will be playing somewhere else next year. So if that's the case, then Kevin Durant has a choice to make. Does he want to stay in Brooklyn without Kyrie and with whoever is acquired for Kyrie? Or does he then want to make the decision to try to request a trade? And if he does request a trade, could and should the Celtics be interested? So there's a lot to digest there. There's what's going on with Kyrie. How does KD feel about it? Will will KD look for a trade? And if he does, are the Celtics in play? A lot to digest. I'll start with this basic premise. I am not interested in trading a huge package for Kevin Durant that centers on Jalen Brown. I am not interested in that. A huge package that centers on Jalen Brown, I am not interested. It would take a massive haul to get Kevin Durant in a trade from a conference rival. It would take Jalen Brown. It would take a huge amount of draft picks, and it would probably take either Marcus Smart or Al Horford and maybe uh, Grant Williams or Peyton Pritchard type. As good as Kevin Durant is, I am not trading Jalen Brown plus all of that for him. I'm not. I talked yesterday about the Celtics having a culture, about the Celtics having a hierarchy, and wanting to adhere to all of that in any offseason moves. And I stick with that here. If this was Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant solely straight up, and all the other stuff could say the same, I'd consider that, but it's not that. You know that. It's Jalen Brown. It's multiple draft picks. It's another piece or two from your rotation. That, to me, it becomes not worth it. At that point, it becomes, to me, not worth it. Again, Jalen Brown for for Kevin Durant straight up, I'd probably strongly consider that. But when you whittle away at the fabric of your identity and the fabric of your culture and you trade away, three pieces and four pieces, that's when it stops being worth it. Kevin Durant is undeniably great. He is undeniably a first ballot Hall of Famer. But trading Jalen Brown, a 25-year-old ascending player, and other guys that help, and excess draft capital, that isn't worth it. Kevin Durant is 33 years old. He's about to be 34. You'd be paying him super max money through his age 37 season. I don't always want to be the guy that's thinking about the future and that's worried about the future. I would like to be the now guy at some point and win the title. 
But those type of moves, they can set your franchise back if they don't hit. And frankly, when you acquire 34-year-old players who've been injured a lot, they have a good chance of not working out. I do believe Durant would have interest in Boston. I do believe it's at least worth having an exploratory conversation. But when the answer comes back is Jalen Brown plus, 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 then I hang up the phone and say, thank you, good luck, and hope that Durant gets traded to the Western Conference. Because, I mean, look, Durant was linked to Boston before signing with Golden State. So, therefore, I think he likes Brad Stevens. Ime Udoka was on his staff in Brooklyn for a year. I got to think that he likes him. So I could see Boston being on his list of teams he would consider. But the price to me is just too high given where the Celtics are at right now. 25-year-old Tatum, 25-year-old Brown. I'm sorry, 25-year-old Brown, 24-year-old Tatum. That's an an ascending core. What they need is a third piece around them, not replacing one of them and then having nothing else there. If it's Tatum and Durant, that's great. But if you've had to trade Brown and Smart and all your draft picks, then what are you really left with? You're really left with what the Nets had, which is Kyrie and Durant, and that's a team that got beat in the first round. I'm not interested in jeopardizing my future and not necessarily guaranteeing myself now success either. Look, Anthony Davis got traded in a haul to the Lakers and they won the title. Kawhi Leonard got traded in a haul to the Raptors and they won the title. It can work, right? If you take a big swing like that, it can work. I acknowledge that. But Kyrie, the trade of the Celtics didn't pan out. Any James Harden move hasn't panned out. Russell Westbrook going to Houston didn't pan out. Paul George getting traded. Chris Paul getting traded. A lot more times than not, these teams make moves. They take big shots. And it backfires on them and it sets their franchise back. I am not looking to set my franchise back. The Celtics are a core that is ascending. They are a team that is ascending. I'm just not looking for it. Again, if you told me, like like if this was football, hey, you're going to get Matthew Stafford for two first-round picks. Hey, you're going to get Kevin Durant for two first-round picks. I'd do it in a heartbeat. Hey, you're going to get Kevin Durant for Grant Williams and and two future firsts. I'd do that too. Kevin Durant for Jalen Brown straight up. I'd strongly consider. But Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, two firsts, and Peyton Pritchard, I'm not, like, that's that's too much. At that point, then all I have is what the Nets were last year, and that wasn't good enough. At that point, all I have is what the Lakers had last year, and that wasn't good enough. Having Tatum and Durant would be electric, but with nothing else there, it wouldn't be worth it. Uh, Peter over in Williston says, Brady, you changed my mind on a KD to the Celtics. Too prohibitive a cost. Thank you. Well, Peter, you are welcome. Glad to see that you agree with me. Nice to always have at least one person who agrees with me over the course of a show. So, uh, yeah, I just, I just wouldn't do it. Um, One thing that Adam Silver said yesterday at the NBA draft that I thought was pretty interesting. He was talking about super teams, and he said that he hopes that this is the end of super teams. My honest answer is I hope so. You know, again, one of the reasons I said in the opening remarks tonight that why the draft is so important, Steph Curry 7, Clay 11, Draymond 35. You're right, same with Celtics built, called the old-fashioned way. I mean, obviously, you you know, Andrew Wiggins was a big additional piece. 
come coming through a trade. I think if the fans appreciate teams built that way, and of course, it's interesting. What team could be more super than the Warriors? <laughs> but they're not a super team the way we all mean it. I said this all along over the course of the finals. I think the Celtics and the Warriors being in the finals was good for basketball. Okay, the Cubs, the Royals, the Giants winning World Series, I think was good for baseball. The Astros, you know, aside from sign stealing, but the way they were built. You're seeing a premium on drafting and developing. You're seeing a premium on home on homegrown players. You're seeing a premium on not just going out and buying a title. It's not a race anymore to just see who can spend the most. I like teams that are built from within. I think that's good. I think it allows for greater distribution of, of team strength for greater opportunities for teams to get good in different cities to get good. I will push back on the commissioner a little bit. I don't mind super teams when they're built from draft capital, right? Like I don't mind when, you know, I don't mind when a team drafts two stars and then gets a third through, you know, through real trade pieces. Like, look, the LeBron Cavaliers that won the title, LeBron was a free agent. He was signed. Kyrie was drafted number one by Cleveland, and Kevin Love was acquired by because of trading the number one pick in the draft, Andrew Wiggins. I'm okay with that method of team building. You get one free agent and two guys that were directly attributed to the draft. I had no problem with that. What I have a problem with is when two to three guys come together and they've never played together and they're all ringers. That That's what I have a problem with. You know, LeBron and Bosh joining in Miami, that is a bad super team. What the Celtics did, I don't think was terrible. Back with their big three, right? Paul Pierce was internal. They traded for Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. That doesn't bother me. They gave up real stuff to do that. That's not just money. Every team in basketball can do what the Warriors did, right? Now, you're not going to get a step in clay, but you can build from within and then go acquire another guy like Andrew Wiggins. So I don't want the LeBron Wade Bosch super team, but I don't mind super teams that are built through drafting and development methods. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. When we come back, well, national news update. And then let me just, I'm going to get a massive, I told you so in. A massive, I told you so. Seriously, score one for the Brady Farkas Show and everybody who agreed with me on this topic because we were right and the people we called out were clearly wrong. A massive I told you so is coming up next right here on WDEV AM and FM. Make your opinion heard by texting onto the Brady Farkas Show at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on this Friday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEV Radio. Com. Red Sox baseball, five minutes from now. We'll give you the lineups here momentarily. But before I do, we all, all of us, not just me, but all the listeners too, we need to take a victory lap. Because I don't know if you remember this story, but I, I hope you do. That a couple of months ago, we told you that the Vermont Lake Monsters, right, they were putting in luxury box seating down the right field line. And they were charging $1,600 a night for your company to rent out those box seats. Now, there's 16 seats. So they were going to be about $100 ahead. And I laughed the Lake Monsters out of town, practically, about it. 
I said, no, you know, there's not enough. There's there's 36 home games or something like that. I'm like, there's not enough businesses in Vermont that can afford that, that will pay that for you to sell that out every night, right? Do you remember this? $1,600 a night box seats. I laughed the Lake Monsters off the field. Well, 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 what do we have here? The Lake Monsters have now taken the prices of those things down to $1,000 a night. So right before the season started, a month ago, those were $1,600 a night. Now, those luxury box seats are $999 a night. Now, it's still $62 a seat instead of, but it's, it's better than $100. And I would argue $62 a seat is far closer to what those seats are actually valued. I still don't think I'd pay more than $40 a head for it, but 62 is a hell of a lot better than 100 so they did that for a reason, right? Either they were getting massive pushback or no one was buying them. Now, I had heard, I heard on NBC5 the other day, that the Lake Monsters expect to sell those seats out for the rest of the season for the most part. And that's great. Got to imagine they wouldn't have done that if, those, if, if the uh, seats had still been $100 ahead. They, you don't bring the price down by that much if they're selling well. So either they weren't selling early in the season, they had to make that change now, or they were getting massive pushback and made that change now. But either way, we told you that that was a laughable price to pay to go to a Futures Collegiate Baseball League game, and the Lake Monsters finally realized, you know what? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was ridiculous. $100 ahead to sit at the Futures Collegiate Baseball League down the right field line. $62 ahead is still too much. And you don't get $62 worth of stuff for sitting in those seats. But, hey, they've realized people weren't going to buy them at $62, at $100 a head. So we told you so, and we are right about that. So everybody who listened and complained on the text line with me, pat yourself on the back. I'm glad the Lake Monsters realized. So give them credit. I'm glad they realized. Now, maybe no one bought them, and they were forced into realizing it, but no matter how they got there, I'm glad they realized that that was too much, that that was a ripoff, and that was kind of um, taking away from the experience of what the Lake Monsters should be. All right, let's get to the Red Sox lineups. Sox are 39 and 31. The Cleveland Guardians are 36 and 29. It's Nick Pavetta, 7 and 5, with a 3 3 1 for your Sox. Kyle Quantrill, 4 and 4, with a 3 7 7. Sox lineup Jaron Duran leads off. He's in center. Rafael Devers is in third. JD Martinez is the DH. Remember, no Xander Bogarts today. Alex Verdugo hits cleanup. He's in left. Trevor Story is in second, hitting 223. Franchi Cordero is in first, hitting 227 with 20 RBI. Christian Vasquez has been really good lately. He's got 29 ribbies himself to go with four homers. He bats seventh and does the catching. JBJ is in right field. He bats eighth. And fresh off the COVID IL is Christian Arroyo. Arroyo back, hitting just 187, but does have a couple of stolen bases. He'll play shortstop. For Cleveland, Stephen Kwan, the contact hitting left fielder, leads off. Ahmed Rosario, the former Mets prospect, he's at shortstop. The stud, Jose Ramirez, get this, 16 homers, 62 RBIs. He's hitting 301. He's at third. Josh Naylor, the power hitting first baseman, is at cleanup. Oscar Gonzalez is in right. Franmil Reyes, who had a great year last year, he's struggling. He's the DH. He bat sixth. 
Andres Jimenez is the seven-hitter playing second. Austin Hedges does the catching. He bats eighth. And the speedy Miles Straw with 11 stolen bases, he bats ninth and patrols center field. Have a great weekend, everybody. The Brady Farkas Show is back at it on Monday, and when we come in on Monday, we'll recap this series, and we'll get you ready for the next big series against the Blue Jays. Brady Farkas Show podcast channel on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Go Sox!